I wonder if we could turn our Bibles again to the uh, book of Ephesians, and to the chapter 3. And we're going to read uh, from uh, the verse uh, 1 of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 3, and begin to read at verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given unto me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to, make known, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which was which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of us, precious word to our hearts. Let's unite again the word of prayer. Our loving and our gracious God, we do thank thee for the manifold grace of God to our hearts. We thank thee for the height and the depth and the length of that love that is bestowed upon thy people. And our God, we can't in any way measure it or we can't comprehend it. But Lord, we do thank thee for all of thy mercies to our hearts. And we pray that thou wouldst bless us now as we contemplate thy word and that we might have a vision of the greatness of our God and his 
uh, blessings upon us, meet us at the point of our need, draw us nigh to thee, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Just as I'm praying there, I just remind members of uh, um, to announce the list on the on the on the uh, uh, the uh, notice board there of uh, the communicant members and also the eligible men. Please keep looking at that and making sure that all is right. And do remember our um, election of officers coming up on the 24th of January. Now, my text today, the motto text for this incoming year, is verses 20 and 21, the last two verses of that portion of Scripture. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, those two verses are a doxology. The word doxology comes from two Greek words that are put uh, together. There is the word doxa, which means glory, and the word logos, which means word. So literally, a doxology is a word of glory or a word of praise, and it is used to describe praise to God, uh, the sort of height of praise, a sort of uh, crescendo of praise. And you can see that Paul has been speaking about great doctrines in the portion of Scripture that is before us. And we uh, don't wonder then that he uh, comes to this crescendo of doxology at the end. The chapters, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are a gold mine of theological explanation. They are a wonder as we think about the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ. We think about the heavenly nuggets of spiritual teaching that we have in the portion of Scripture. And as he comes to an end, Paul really rises into one crescendo of praise to God. Look at verses 14 to 17. Uh, he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And so he goes on. And the, if you look at verse 19, he mentions the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. And then he bursts into this doxology of praise. And as we come to our God this morning, we can rise up in this praise and adoration to God. There's much in this world that would get us down. There are so many things that would be antagonistic to the child of God and to the preaching of the gospel in this day in which we live. But as we enter into 2024, we can come with praise and adoration to God. The same things that Paul prayed for and the things that he was speaking about and writing about here in his epistle are the same things. And we worship the same God who has all power, who is able to do exceeding abundantly for us. And I want us to encourage our hearts as we enter into 2024. And I want us to see what the 
the portion of Scripture has to say about our God as we enter into 2024. And first of all, as we look at the motto text, I want you to see God's almighty preeminence. Look at the one of whom Paul speaks. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. My, here's one who is almighty. And you'll notice that the, uh, the, the apostle here, he doesn't say unto him that is able, who is almighty, nor does he just say now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, but he speaks about him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. And then he goes even further unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And the word exceeding abundantly there is an extraordinary phrase in the Greek. It, it's a compound of two words, and it means abundance to excess. That's what he's speaking about. Here's a God who is able to give and do so much that it overflows. It's the description of one who goes beyond anything that we could ever think of. It's a description of one who is preeminent, one who is without limits. And that's the God that we worship and is our God as we enter into 2024. And I want you to see that he's preeminent in his ability. He is able. He's able. The word able means capable and strong. and It means powerful. Here's the one who possesses all the power of heaven and earth. And I want you to see he's able because he's the God of creation. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he's before all things, and by him all things consist. So here's the God who has made, he created the universe out of nothing by a word, he set the planets spinning in their orbits. He controls the decay of the stars. He makes the snow and the rain and the fog. He controls the seasons and the orbits of the moon. And he is the God who has all things in his hand. Even the cattle on the thousand hills are his. And not only is he the God of creation, but he's the God of providence. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Not only does he bring everything into existence, but everything is held there by the power of God. You see in the verse that he, we read there, by him all things consist. Not only did he bring them into being, but he holds them there. And the very breath that we have, and every man and woman has, is given by him. He's the God of revelation. He's the God of the Bible. He's the God who uh, makes known the mystery of his will. There, if you look at verse 9 and the previous verses, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. But here's a God who is mighty, mighty to save, mighty to bring. He's the God of salvation, of course. He is mighty to save, I'm crucified with Christ, Paul says. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not, Christ, not, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And oh, dear friend, we have the Lord with us every step of the way. If you're saved today, you have the Lord with you. He's in you. This mighty God of creation, the God who sustained the very universe, he's in us and walks with us and, is, and enables his people to do uh, the mighty things that they can do. And oh, here is a God who is preeminent in his ability and he can do all things. And that's a wonderful uh, comfort for our hearts as we face this incoming season. But not only is he preeminent in his ability, he's preeminent in his answer. He is able to answer our prayers. And we think of how Paul is on his knees here, really. He says, I bow my knees unto the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's inter interceding. And then he prays that God might uh, strengthen us with might in, by his spirit in the inner man. So Paul really is praying here. He's praying for God's people uh, and he's praying for the church and he's praying to the God who is able, known to him that is able. And he's able to answer our prayers. And he has answered our prayers in many ways in days gone by. And he prays that he might be filled with the power of God. Look at verse 16, that he might grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by a spirit in the inner man. He prays that we will know the great love of God. Look at verses 17 to 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And then he prays that we might experience the fullness of God himself. Look at the end of verse 19. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So these are mighty prayers. This is bold praying. But he is bold in his praying because he makes these wonderful petitions because he knows that God, the God to whom he prays, has the power to help him. That God can do these things. Indeed, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. He, he's not limited in the answers to prayer. And that's why, as God's people, we come to him in the place of prayer. We should neglect the place of prayer this incoming year. We should renew our efforts in the place of prayer because God is preeminent in his answer. He is able to answer far more than we might ever think or uh, might ever ask or think. So we see that we can be encouraged by God's almighty preeminence. But secondly, as we enter into 2024, I want us to be encouraged by God's abundant provision. Now we've been saying here that God is able to answer prayer above what we can ask or think. But it's not just limited to prayer. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, all, above all we ask or think. And as we said, the phrase exceeding abundantly 
means going beyond, going beyond. It exceeds uh, the length and uh, breadth of what we might think or what we might say. And really, we have here um, a, a pyramid of praise. He's able, he's able to do, he's able to do exceeding abundantly. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. So it just, he just keeps piling on terms here. It, one's not, we, 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 he's able. Well, that would be enough. But, but it's not enough for the apostle. He's able to do exceed, abundantly. That's, that would describe it. That's not enough. He's able to do exceeding abundantly. But that's still not enough. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think if we go on there. There's no question in his mind here of the abundance of God. And that provision then goes beyond our inclination. It goes beyond our inclination to ask. Now, the Bible says that we have not because we ask not. And we think about he, the Lord urges us to ask. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And we know that the Bible says we have not because we ask not. We miss out because we don't ask God. And there are many times when we miss out on the blessings because we don't ask God. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask. But I want to also say God is not limited by our asking. Because we don't ask doesn't mean that God's will will not be fulfilled. God will use other means. God will raise up other people. God will use um, different circumstances to bring about his will. But he will bring about his will. And there are many times when uh, we don't ask. And maybe we limit God. We say, well, I don't ask for that because I, I, I don't think I could get it. Or, or because, well, that seems to be impossible. How could God, how could that person ever get saved? That awful uh, drunkard, that awful wife beater, that awful, uh, that awful criminal, that person that's down in the very depths of society. How could God save that person? And, and we limit God. But I want you to see that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He is able to do that. And we might limit God, but God's not limited. Lord, coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such that none could ever ask too much. There are times when God surprises his people. His, there are many times in the Bible where God acts and it comes as a surprise because the people are thinking, well, we never thought of that. We never conceived that God could do. You think of the day of Pentecost. And of course, the disciples were waiting there and they were expecting something because God had said, tarry at Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So they were expecting something. But when what happened did happen, you can imagine that the disciples were taken by surprise. They weren't expecting what did take place. And you can think of many times in the Bible when God works beyond anything 
that his people were thinking about. He, he goes beyond our inclination, and he can surprise us at times. But then he goes beyond our imagination. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You know, there are things that we would just never consider, things that we would never think of. Why does he add there, or think? Because we are limited by our earthbound way of thinking and our imagination. There are things that must happen in the plans and purposes of God that we just could never think of. But God is not limited to what we think or to our limited imagination. Thank God there's no limit to his powers. He can move the mountains. He can change lives. He can lift burdens. He can change uh, the lives of substandard saints. He can make them into vessels of honor, sanctified and meets uh, for the master's use. God can do these things. And maybe you say, well, what's the point in prayer then? You say, well, if God can do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, why pray? Well, because God delights in our prayers. As we said there, there are so many things that we don't get because we don't ask, and we might miss out. We might miss out. But God will fulfill his plans and his purposes even beyond our imagination. And not only does it go beyond our uh, imagination, but it goes beyond our inability. God can uh, take us up, and God can give us the power to go out there. And, you know, we um, think of our inability and our lack of, uh, of uh, gifts that we have, but we come to a God of immeasurable power, and he is able to take us up, and he's, as he did with the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And you think of Peter there, and he just denied the Lord. And in his own strength and in his own power, he couldn't stand against the uh, religious authorities of that day. And he certainly wasn't brave enough to go out and face the people. But when God gave him the power, when God transformed him, he went out and the other disciples into all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And the word power there is a word that means inherent power. It's, it's something that resides in us. It's God's power. The Lord enabled Paul to preach the gospel. He said, And my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration and, spirit, and, and of power that our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And isn't that what we need in these incoming days? We need preaching in the power of God. And God is able to give us sufficient power, inner power, that power that resides within us through the Holy Spirit of God. So we see that God is able to take us up but there's something else that I want you to see that will encourage us for the incoming year. And that is God's accepted praise. Now look at verse 21. He says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. 
Amen. And Paul ends his doxology by making a great statement there about the glory of God. And of course, that's the end of all that we do. That's the end for us in our church. That's the desire that we have that God might be glorified unto him. Be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. The Lord said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I want you to think about the principle of glorifying God. It speaks there of, uh, as it were, we, we can't add anything to God. We, we can't beautify God in any way. But what we do is that we let his beauty shine out. That we let his glory shine out through us and what we do and all our works. Uh, the, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, the composer, he used to start off his music with the letters J, J. Uh, J uh, Jesus Juva uh, was the first one, which means Jesus help me. And then at the end of every composition, he would write S, D, G, Soli, Dea, Gloria, only to the glory of God. Because he said all music and everything is to the glory of God. Sadly, many have forgotten that. Even in the church, many have forgotten. Church goers today, the world has its own values, and those values are self-glory, self-pleasing, materialism, and those me-first mentality, and that even has come in amongst God's people, and we are espousing the world's values. But oh, that in this year we may get back to the place where our lives are to glorify God. What is true value? It is one essential principle, and that is to glorify God, to make sure that we show forth his glory. So we see the principle of glorifying God. But then notice the position in which we glorify God. He says, unto him be glory in the church. In the church. Where is God glorified? In his church. Among his people. Acts 20 and 28, it speaks of the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And it is among God's people that God is glorified. It's among his people. We are as uh, mirrors. We are reflecting the glory of God to those around about us. And we become part of the church of God. We honor him in his word. And we seek to reflect his glory to those that are round about. And I wonder how much that is true. How much has it been true? The business of doing church is the business of glorifying God. It is bringing every uh, focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It is uplifting him before the world, and we're saying he's the Savior. He's the only one who can meet your need. And that's what we've got to be doing day by day. Notice the person in whom we glorify God. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus Nowhere is God more glorified than in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my beloved Son, he said, in whom I am well pleased. And since God is glorified in his Son, our job 
is to exalt him, exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to magnify him. We are to present him to this world in which we live. We're to preach Christ and him crucified. And then look at the perpetuity of glorifying God. Throughout all ages, world without end. If you've ever been in a Church of Ireland service, you'll probably recognize that oftentimes, maybe the funeral or something, and you'll recognize that often at the end of their praying, they will say glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. And it comes from this portion of Scripture. And we sometimes are sung by a choir, but we see how we are to glorify God world without end. World without end. Uh, and it's, it's, it, that phrase is supposed to convey the strongest sense of tomorrow. A tomorrow that never comes to an end. One day the Lord Jesus will come for his church and he'll receive his people to himself and he'll reign forever and ever. And we'll reign with him in the millennium and then we'll go to be with him in the new heaven and the new earth and we will reside in the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. And would to God we grasp that the fullness of his glory is to be proclaimed throughout all ages, world without end. That's what we'll do throughout all the eternity that lies ahead of us. We'll be glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank God that we come to a God of power and we come to a God who is to be glorified and we come to a God who is with us throughout all the ages and empowers us and gives us help. As we face this year, we need power, we need wisdom, we need help. And our job throughout all of the ages this year, as well as any year, is to uplift and magnify and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we do that with all of our hearts and souls and minds and strength. Let's just unite together, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank Thee for the Word of God to our hearts, and we know that we've got to glorify Thy name throughout all ages, world without end. And, O oh God, may we be glorifying Thee now in this age in which we live. Give us the power to do that. Give us the strength to do that. Give us thy help as we face this year that we might stand in the power and the grace of Almighty God. Bless thy word for Jesus' sake. Bless those that must go now and we pray that thou wouldst be with us as we gather around thy table for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. We'll not sing a hymn uh, now but we'll go to the door and uh, please remain behind uh, those that are saved and let's uh, spend the time around God's table here this morning.